For an inside look at the state's biggest footy league, it's the Monday Waffle. Welcome to this grand final edition of the Monday Waffle. I'm Jesse Donnelly-Jones, joined by my co-host Connor Malice. And Connor, fair to say, uh, based on last week's performance, you would think we have the two best teams in it. Yeah, absolutely right, Jesse. The uh, one thing we've been waiting for all year, and fingers crossed it's better than the AFL grand final that we saw (laughs) on Saturday, that's for sure. Um, Both teams, well-deserving to be there. We haven't seen seen a great... uh, performance like that from Claremont for a while and really starting to turn it on towards the end of the season, which was fantastic to see. And obviously West Perth has been playing consistent all year, but elephant in the room is that Claremont has clipped Falcons wings each and every time that they've versed this year. So I'm confident that West Perth can get it done, but Tigers are always a uh, good matchup for them. Claremont were outstanding on the weekend, weren't they? They were absolutely outstanding on every part of the ground. Just complete domination over East Fremantle. I mean, I, look, I know I didn't see it coming. I take it you didn't see it coming either. But, mate, that first quarter, up by 28 points. Mind you, it was five goals, five to one goal, one. East Fremantle kicked their goal after the siren. Mate, they were just all over them. And, I mean, that first half, Claremont had eight players in double digits for disposals. East Fremantle had one, Jamie Mead. So, I mean, that just goes to show you how dominant they were around the contest. Like, East Fremantle just could not get off the ground, could they? Yeah, it just seems that Claremont just kind of choked them from the get-go, didn't let them have anything, just absolutely burst out the gates. You can almost compare to how they played, to how Geelong started with Sydney. Just didn't let them start and never, literally never gave them a chance to get back in it. Yeah, and mate, you think about how dominant they were in that midfield. Like I mentioned, eight players for Claremont with double digits compared to East Frio's one at half time. Jai Bolton was playing across half back. He wasn't even around the contest in the middle. He was playing across half back. He had eight disposals in the first half. These Claremont boys, they just absolutely took East Fremantle to the cleaners. And to think that East Frio have beaten them twice in the last month, both by 40-plus points. Quite convincing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they must have done their homework. I mean, it was just a complete domination and a complete 180 to what we've seen, you know, in these last two encounters between these sides. I mean, to think two weeks ago, East Fremantle beat them by over 40 points. Yeah, look, we did say I'd see them turn it around, as we said, to Peel of Thunder. But, you know... I mean, that was kind of, might have been a fluke one-off chance. You know, a few of the boys may have been here or there. But, I mean, to do it two weeks in a row and head into the grand final with that, whether that's fantastic and they hope to roll it on or have they spent it just a bit too early? Yeah, exactly right. And, I mean, you look at the numbers for Claremont. I mean, Jai Bolton finished with a game-high 29 disposals for the Tigers. Had a bit more ball across the defensive half in that third and fourth quarters. I mean, given how Claremont, they did take their foot off the pedal a little bit. East Fremantle had a bit more go forward later in that game. But, I mean, it accounted for nothing in the end. Benjamin Elliott with 24 disposals. Ben Edwards with 23. He spent a lot of time in the middle as opposed to, you know, out on the wing and the role we've seen him play more often throughout the year. Bailey Rogers, uh, 21 disposals. Callan England, 21 O'Connor, 20. Lockie Martinez, 20 disposals as well. Mate, it was just a complete team effort across the board, wasn't it? And also, you look at East Fremantle's forward line. I mean, Jonathan Marsh absolutely took the Tigers' back line to the cleaners in that uh, qualifying final in the first week. 
they must have done their homework because to limit him to 11 disposals and, you know, one behind, not even getting a goal throughout the game. I mean, they just, it was just a complete turnaround, which I did not see coming. Yeah, I, I mean, we could harp on it all day, really. But, um, I mean, from what we saw early on in the year, I remember I had my doubts about Claremont starting to drift off towards the end of the year, not having enough depth within that side and, you know, a few little uh, mishaps within the actual team. But something must have switched and very, very scary team to be facing this week. Yeah, exactly right. And we mentioned some of those midfield stars for Claremont. Ben Edwards, he will be joining us later on in the podcast. We tried our luck with a few of the West Perth boys, but it didn't really pan out, did it? Yeah, locked in a bit tight at the moment. I think they're just trying to focus a bit more on the grand final, obviously, back in 2018 when they versed Subi. I think the mentality going into it when you're versing, I mean, Subiaco during that era, they were just lights out, undefeated, took everyone. So they kind of may have been heading into that grand final, hoping and praying that they might win. But, you know, this, this year... Very good chance, so they just want to focus all that energy on just thinking about the footy and not the outside pressures of the game. Potentially had a big night too at Crown, who knows? Maybe a few sleep-ins for those boys, potentially. Yeah, uh, carb-loading on a few (laughs) frothies, yeah. Yeah, maybe a few coffees this morning, who knows? (laughs) But um, yeah, look, I mean, Claremont, they're coming in red hot, mate. I mean, I know, look, you're a dire in the wall, West Perth Falcons man, but I mean, you must have been a tad worried watching them on Sunday. Yeah, look, I mean, in, in the unbiased opinion that we have to keep in the Monday Waffle, <laughs> um, <laughs> look, fantastic to see Claremont come out and produce some footy like this um, for the sake of the Waffle. I mean, poor Tom over in Italy at the moment. Can't oh, really mate. see much. He would have been... He, he was flat, wasn't he? So he, he sent us a text, bloody, what would it have been, about 10 a.m. there in Italy? Yeah. But, oh, <laughs> mate, he was flat, wasn't he? Not happy, but he took away with Bocas winning the Sandover. So he has that little win there, but... I mean, yeah, well, from what I saw, Sharky's brilliant all year. Exciting to see what they can produce next year. Hopefully, they might be able to step up and make it for a flag opportunity. But Claremont, I mean, to be fair, we were discussing this before the show. Claremont, East Frio, same amount of points. I mean, West Perth, pretty much the same. Same amount of wins, um, but losses just because of that draw with South Frio just let West Perth end up on top. But... You know, all three teams were deserving to get here, but yet Sharky's just unfortunately missed out. Yeah, well, it's a real shame for East Fremantle, isn't it? And I mean, where does this leave them now? Because they've put so much into this season. Obviously, Blaine Bokhurst, who is now the reigning Sandover medalist. Congratulations to uh, to Blaine there. But, um, I mean, having him out for the last four weeks of the home and away season, when they were on a par with West Perth for first on the ladder and then not having him for finals. I think it just really put a dent in things. You could say the same thing about um, South Frio without um, Jake Florenko as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You having the, Just losing that leadership might not mean much at the start, but, you know, just tickling over. You need kind of someone like Bokehurst to really keep them going, keep it motivated. And I'm sure he would have been stoked for the boys if they did make it to the grand final, went all the way without him. Just that kind of clubman. But, yeah, obviously... One person doesn't make a side, but definitely a key part to the puzzle. Do you see them replicating this form next season, mate? Can you see them making the top two again? Or do you think it was one of those seasons where they just had a fantastic run? A lot of these blokes had career best years. Blokes like, um, you know, uh, Jonathan Marsh, Luke English, uh, Cameron Eardley, probably career best years, fair to say. Do you see them maintaining this form next year? I'd like to think so. I think there's been a lot of coaching throughout the past few years for them to be at this point and a lot of nurturing. 
So I'd really like to see Sharks come back next year and give it a red-hot crack. But in saying that, you know, there's a few younger sides. We've seen the potential in Swan Peel, districts. Swan yep. as well. And even um, East Perth, East new, Perth coach. new coach. So yep. um, all these little factors might, you know, form, uh, cause the stars not to align for them next year. But, geez, if it's going to be anything like this season, then we might be in for another cracking year of waffle footy. Yeah, look, I mean, it was neck and neck all throughout the year, wasn't it? And not to be for East Fremantle, although, as we mentioned earlier, great night for Blaine Bokehurst last night at Crown, winning the Sandover medal. We'll also have Channel 7 commentator Mark Reddings joining us later in the podcast to discuss last night's Sandover and look ahead to the big game on Saturday. But switching the focus now to the minor premiers, the best team all year, West Perth. They've played one final, mate, back in the, in the second week. Grand final qualifier, knocked off East Fremantle by 20 points. It was a very close game, same amount of scoring shots. How do you view their preparation going into this one? Well, I mean, we did see, what was it, in round 13 and round one, Claremont have got the best of West Perth. And I said it maybe a couple of weeks ago how I would really prefer Peel of Thunder or East Frio because they just pair well with West Perth. West Perth understand their game and just compete really well against them. And I was scared if Claremont got in because they have clip, clipped the wings, as we said, twice this year. They're a great side to first against the Falcons. But, I mean, undoubtedly having two weeks off throughout this finals period would help a lot. But, I mean, Claremont have done the hard yards. And as we said before, you know, two really hard games they've had to verse. I mean, Peel and East Free, I know we there were a bit of blowouts, but it does take a lot of gas out of the tank. And if that was their best at each time, so West Perth had two weeks to study them, understand their game plan, and then see how they can counteract that too. Yeah, I mean, you could sort of argue it till the, till the cows come home, couldn't you? I mean, West Perth having the week off, but in saying that, Claremont have had two big games under their belt now, both knockout matches and, you know, really just having that... I mean, I suppose, you know, more game time than West Perth, but at the same time, you know, West Perth getting a chance to put the feet up and, you know, relax for the week, watch Claremont, you know, study the, the vision, all that sort of stuff. So, look, I mean, you could argue it all day, couldn't you, as to who has the better preparation. But I think both teams are coming into this red hot. Uh, West Perth, they've been red hot all year. But you did did mention those two losses to Claremont. I mean, round one, you, you probably put a, a line through round one just because it was the first week of the season. Claremont got over the top by four points in up, But round 13, mate, back in July at Claremont Oval, Tigers getting the better, better of them quite comprehensively by 29 points. Perhaps that's something they can hold on to. Yeah, look, I mean, it was both the high-scoring matches. It was, what, 17 goals, 709 to 11 goals, 1480. So it wasn't by any means a very defensive matchup. I'm wondering if that's something that these guys might build on again for this week. But we've seen Claremont at their absolute best, and they can take it to the best, as we've seen the past couple of weeks. But we've also seen them not compete well against some of the lower-grade sides. So... The inconsistencies for Claremont have been the downfall for them so far this year. But, you know, you'd hope three weeks in a row that they might be able to keep that consistency up. I think one of the big things is how they're going to shut down, not necessarily the midfield, but what they're going to do to Jai Bolton on that. Yep. Across well, he's half back. back. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, half forward. Half West forward, yeah. half forward. Yeah. What they might do there, they're going to drop a... You know, maybe a defensive forward, perhaps exactly yeah. Yeah. like a Griffin Logue type when they yeah. uh, played Melbourne, for example. Yeah, exactly. But then you know, then do you drop 
a forward to bring in a spare mid to play that role? Who do you drop someone from the middle to go in there and maybe try someone new in the middle? I mean, we'll see West Perth's huge depth across the board with their Colts, their Rezies and League. So they have enough in there to probably counteract this. But, you know, as we said, Ben Edwards, you know, fantastic all year. Are they going to then try and tag him? You don't want to put too many tags on because you're not going to be able to row the ball down and you're playing too defensive all game. I mean, these are all things I'm sure West Perth are starting to think in their head. How are we going to counteract this? What are we going to be doing? How do we change it from what we've done the past two times in the season because it hasn't gone well? And yeah, I guess the, the two weeks off to be able to sit down and watch Claremont, the ball use, where to cut it off, I guess at the snake's head, really. You know, if it's a switch across halfback, that's what they need to be on straight away. If it's a kick inboard from halfback, straight through the guts, down through the ground, need to cut that off as well. So, How do you see the West Perth midfield shaping up against Claremont? Because obviously they've got a few older heads in there, a few more mature bodies like Aaron Black, Shane Nelson. Um, you know, you've got Cartel up forward. But in contrast, you look at Claremont, some of these younger boys... Ben Edwards, Jack Lucy, Ryan Lim, some of these, you know, younger legs that have really blown Peel and East Fremantle out of the water these last two weeks. How do you see West Perth sort of going head-to-head in terms of the pace of the game? Well, I think it's a smarter, not harder mentality that West Perth might bring in, you know, maybe slow the play down. You don't want to play Make to it clamp. a scrap. Yeah, you know what I mean? So don't necessarily play how Claremont's playing. If they want to move the ball really quickly through the midfield or like slow it down in the back line, and then push it forward really quick and then try and hit up that target. They just need to stop that, you know, take the time, find that ball, look for this, maybe the 20, 25, 45, 90 degree targets that they're just looking for. Just slow down that play and then really burst out towards that forward line. But um, yeah, smarter, not harder. And you know what? A few of these players are there from the last time they won the grand final. They may have, have a bit more experience when it comes to this kind of pressure leading up to it. I mean, I don't care who you are when you playing for a grand final it means everything to you and your team this is what you build for you know you start doing your prep in november you know with the preseason and everything this is what you you work for and to say that you don't have any nerves and you're gonna have a great sleep the night before i just wouldn't believe you don't buy it eh? oh we would not buy it at all Welcome back. You are listening to the Monday Waffle with Jesse Donnelly Jones and Connor Malice, our special grand final preview edition. The big game on this Saturday between West Perth and Claremont. And joining us now is a man who will be calling that game for Channel 7. He has been commentating the Waffle all season. He was also in attendance to the Sandover Medal last night and also witnessed not only Blaine Bokehurst winning that Sandover medal, but also four legends of WA football being inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's a pleasure to have him on. Mark Reddings, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, boys. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well. It's a big week for WA footy, isn't it, with the grand final on Saturday. Good weather forecast, and last night the tradition continued with the Sandover medal. As you alluded to, there were four former greats of the game inducted into the Hall of Fame, and one legend who was elevated into uh, elite status. So a uh, really good night and a deserving winner, albeit a strange night in terms of voting. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Blaine Bokehurst there and also the, the odd one there with Jesse Turner, I assume you're alluding to. But starting on Blaine Bokehurst, um, winning the Sandover medal, 25 votes from 14 games before a, uh, a season-ending end- injury. It was a pretty impressive display, especially for a bloke who missed the last month of the season. 
Yeah, it would have been a really nervous last few rounds for him as well, <laughs> given he knew that he was out of contention after round 16. But yeah, it was strange in that department because he, he started so well and then obviously the season ended in dramatic fashion up there at uh, Pentanet Stadium against West Perth. And it was just a question of whether anyone could catch him. And uh, we saw the likes of Luke Meadows and Hamish Brayshaw, Hayden Sloykel, just nibbling away at that lead, but they could never quite nail it. So uh, he was uh, a very relieved man. And it's been a, a tough few weeks for him. And obviously seeing his team bow out of the finals last weekend uh, wasn't great from an East Romano perspective. But uh, yeah, you mentioned Jesse Turner. I, I thought he might have polled a little better uh, through the course of the night. There may have been a couple of players that uh, went under the odds in terms of the votes that you expected, but that can be the case with the Sandover medal, uh, irrespective of it. It uh, is always going to be, in modern times, a midfielder's award. That uh, was proven again last night. Not enough handshakes to the umpires before the game, <laughs> hey? <laughs> well, maybe so, but his numbers suggest that he should have polled a lot better. I mean, Swans won enough games to be uh, competitive and, and get votes, but, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, look, I, I saw... One uh, particular round, I think it was Peel versus Subiaco, and, and Nat Fife picked up one Sandover medal vote. And having called the game, we know he's a champion, we know he's a gun, but he was his first game back, and I thought he was <laughs> uh, certainly a little rusty, and I wouldn't have had him in the top three, but there you go, umpires have uh, made a different call on that one. Absolutely. We also found out uh, recently that Mark Hutchings has been ruled out of the game on Saturday. What kind of an impact will you see that on West Perth? Yeah, it's sad, isn't it, for Hutch, because he was part of the last premiership side. In fact, won the Simpson medal going back uh, about a decade now. and uh, He's got a, a tear in the hamstring, so there was no ducks and drakes from, from Darren Harris, which I think is probably wise. Uh, rule him out early. Uh, it's going to be heartbreak for the veteran, but uh, you're right. He, he unfortunately won't play a part. Uh, he injured himself, and then obviously in that uh, match, that final against East Romana was confined to the goal square, just essentially to give West Perth some more rotation. So uh, terrible news for him. He misses out, but at the end of the day, uh, I think West Perth will have enough depth to, to bring in a Wilhelm or a Manzoni to, to cover his absence. Who do you think has the better form heading into this game, Mark? Because West Perth finished top of the ladder, uh, got to have the weekend off after beating East Fremantle in the grand final qualifier. But with that being said, Claremont have played outstanding football these last two weeks. Who do you see having the better form? Well, Claremont's had a reasonable record against West Perth this year. And I saw them in the qualifying final against East Fremantle. They were poor, to say the least, beaten by eight goals. So for them to turn it around in a couple of weeks and play the footy they have, gives them a lot of confidence, I would have thought. So, look, you often say it in grand finals, and we did it last week in the AFL, that this should be a, a really tight, exciting affair. Well, I actually think this will be, just with the way these two teams match up on each other. And um, Claremont, I think, at lead of Oval, can really give give it a shake against the West Perth side that has been the best team all year, but there was only percentage separating uh, half a game percentage, top from about third. So it has been a tight season, uh, and West Perth deserve to go in favourites, but... I think Claremont's got some, some nice momentum on their side. As you say, playing good footy and, and West Perth have had the week's break. Will that be an advantage? I think it will be, but uh, 27 degrees. Remains to be seen whether you know, Claremont uh, might have a class advantage, uh, as, uh, as we've seen with some of their big names getting moving in the past two, two matches. Yeah, we were talking about that before on the podcast, how um, West Perth probably would have wanted somewhere like Peel or 
East Frio to match up against because they always play so well against them. But yeah, Claremont's their one, I guess, Achilles heel or a bit of kryptonite and always seem to tick them over. But we'll switch over from there. East Perth have signed uh, their assistant coach, Ross McQueen, to be their head coach for the next couple of seasons. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's a really good choice. I mean, obviously there are a few clubs in the market for coaches over the past month and, and Ross McQueen's been an outstanding uh, junior uh, coach for, for a long time and I actually witnessed him in charge for the first time at senior level against South Fremantle uh, late in the season and East Perth were very competitive so I think that was the template for, for what East Perth needs going forward and uh, if they recruit wisely uh, I think they can be uh, an improver next year so I, I congratulate Ross, he, I think he'll do a terrific job and uh, the fact that he's he's done his time, he's served his penance um, at the lower levels, so I think will be really good. And given his record, as I say, at junior level and the Colts, etc., I, I think that's going to be terrific for the club, who's got a, a man who's got the ability to to handle senior football, but also those coming through. Uh, obviously, those Colts will more than likely make a, a debut or two over the next year or so. You mentioned earlier, Mark, those four WA. Football Hall of Fame inductees, Shane Wawoden, Jeff Farmer, Michael Mitchell and Stephen Curtis. A really big night for all those blokes last night. I take it uh, all deserved winners in your eyes? Absolutely. Look, they've all contributed superbly to WA footy. You think of Shane Wawoden, who a 2000 Brownlow medalist, uh, Melbourne fairest and best in that same year. He captain East Fremantle, coached East Fremantle, captain WA. Uh, so, yeah, he's a, a big tick, Stephen Curtis, as you mentioned, going back when I was a kid, to be honest with you, the 1978 Grand Final. He was part of that with East Perth, went across to play at Port Adelaide, and he had a terrific career, a really tough back pocket player. And they were the players of the day, back pocket players, that they looked after the resting rover, and he did it as well as anybody in the WAFL. So, a uh, big tick for him. Jeff Farmer, the Wizard, we know what he did at Fremantle and the Melbourne Footy Club. Just a, 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 such an outstanding now, footballer so close to goal and in the air, he's got uh, uh, a showcase of, of highlights of his career. So that's uh, huge for him. And, and last but not least, I suppose, Michael Mitchell, who uh, if you have a look at some of his uh, exploits, playing for both Claremont and Richmond, uh, you realise why uh, you couldn't take your eyeballs off him with uh, a market Subiac Oval that is one of the best ever. I have a guy called Greg Wilkinson, and he also got a goal of the year in the VFL. So, yeah, they're all spectacular players in their own way, very much deserving of their Hall of Fame induction. Uh, going back to the grand final, Mark, we saw Leaderville over being an absolute mud pit earlier on in the season. Um, how's the ground, sh- uh, ground shaping up for Saturday? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's uh, been a lot of talk, and it has been, let's be honest. The, the ground hasn't been in good nick in the middle of winter, but uh, I suppose there was always a lot of faith out at the WA Footy Commission that they would get this right once the weather turned. And it has turned, and the work has been done on the ground, um, thanks to some money spent on it, which was obviously overdue. But I, I think it'll be more than adequate. I mean, uh, it's it's going to be, I suppose, uh, 26, 27 degrees. Um, you know, I've had a look at some of the other the waffle venues over the past couple of months, and uh, they've all got, got some issues from time to time. Uh, but, yeah, West Perth, um, Claremont, I don't think there'll be any excuses for, for the ground condition. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the whingers who, who jump on social media who are complaining about the late leaderboard will now be uh, maybe just throwing a, a couple of barbs suggesting there should be more sunscreen or, or umbrellas around the ground. Uh, so anyway, that's that's how Mother Nature works. The, uh, the sun will be shining and uh, hopefully the, the game of footy will make sure that uh, no one is left disappointed. 
Yeah, just focusing on Claremont for a second there, Mark. We've got uh, Ben Edwards coming on the podcast uh, later on, and he, he polled quite well in the Sandover last night, finishing top 10. It seems to be sort of indicative of Claremont's um, leap that they've made this year. Young blokes like Ben Edwards, Jack Lucy, Ryan Lim taking that next step and elevating their football. Would that be a, a fair assumption? Yeah, absolutely. They've, primarily in the past, they've relied on, of course, Bolton and Kane Mitchell, who, of course, has retired. Uh, and some of those those players, Bailey Rogers, um, has been obviously a Sandover medalist last year and had a slightly different role this year. But yeah, they've, they've got some younger players coming through. I've liked the move, uh, particularly early on in the finals campaign. With they had uh, Tim House go down back. Um, he and I guess uh, Buller in attack. If they just both line up there, yeah, they've got a nice mix there. And I, I think Claremont would feel relatively comfortable with the side they'll take into Sunday or Saturday's grand final. And you're right, just getting that, that uh, extra mix through the middle, Elliot doing his work as well. Um, I think there's there's some really good signs for, for Claremont in the midfield come Saturday. And I think uh, they probably, on paper, have a, have a slight edge over West Perth in that department. Although, you know, that being said, you think of Black, you think of Nelson, and you think of um, the midfield that they have got, it's going to be uh, a terrific battle in that centre square. Well, you did say it's a terrific battle. And what are your predictions? Are you thinking who you think is going to take away the flag and who do you think is going to take away the Simpson medal? Well, I thought it might have been West Perth up until uh, chatting to a couple of Claremont blokes last night. and They are playing good footy. And I think they've done their time back in 2020 and they've served uh, some prelim finals and got to, got to the finals on numerous occasions. West Perth have been the best team all year. Uh, even though it's a spiritual home of West Perth, I just get this feeling that, that Claremont are going to be awfully tough to beat. So I'll go the Tigers, but with uh, reserving judgment, able to change my mind later in the week. Um, <laughs> as, as for a Simpson medalist, oh dear, um, they're pretty tough to pick. But um, let, let's let's go with someone who's we know will get a bit of the footy. Um, we know he's going to be, uh, I think, enjoying the, the dry conditions. Ryan Lim, I think, had a good enough year to, to uh, make a real impact on Saturday. Yeah, Claremont, they've certainly been hitting their straps at the right time of the year, haven't they? Should be an absolute belter. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. We really appreciate it. And enjoy the game on Saturday. Should be a beauty. Thanks, boys. Enjoy the week. Thank you very much. Mark Redding's there, the Channel 7 commentator. We'll be calling the game for Channel 7 on Saturday and giving plenty of insight into the grand final. So really appreciate having him on. Declan Hardesty for Claremont, Connor. Now, interesting one here. Now, the the tough nut in the middle often gets the big jobs on the key midfielders. Do you see him tagging one of the West Perth boys in the middle, perhaps a Shane Nelson or Aaron Black, and give them a tough time and let these other mids get the footy? It's a tough one, isn't it, though? Because, like, I mean, both Shane Nelson and Blackie are both fantastic footballers. Blackie's playing a bit more on the wing these days. Shane Nelson being in and under, I don't know if you'd really tag that because you, I mean, he's in and under all the time and gets those feet out handballs and the odd kick here and there as well. But do you tag someone that's going in and under? Do you look for the bloke he's trying to hand pass to? You know what I mean? And I mean, that's where Blackie would be in play. A few of those boys through the midfield as well. So yeah, I mean, that's all these questions that Claremont are going to be asking. And we've just said before, who are West Perth going to be tagging? So if you've got everyone tagging everyone, there's not a lot of ball movement happening. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, do West Perth, we, we touched on it before, mate, uh, in terms of the scrap and trying to slow the game down. Do they need to make this 
a slog and you know a ground level real contested in an undersorted game not only to inhibit Claremont's run and carry but just to really put the game on their terms and give themselves the best chance well when you slow down the play and you stop all of that momentum it's just a it's just kills the mood you know what I mean so if Claremont want to come out and play that run and carry and just split it straight down hit it up their leading forwards and just not give any time for West Perth to react to go on what the hell has just gone on and how did they got it from hard back to in the bloke's hands and full forward that quickly you know what I mean so slowing it down having a break being able to let your team set up behind the play as well is crucial whether it's just a long bomb down the wing just getting someone to punch it over the line over the boundary and having a boundary throwing and working the ball up that way. Slowing it down, like I said before, the quick 20, 25 metre kicks where you're looking at the 90 and 45s, breaking it up that way. Slows the momentum down and doesn't really, you know, doesn't really cause a lot of turnovers where Claremont really thrives in. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like if, if the Falcons get caught up in trying to limit Claremont's run and carry and perhaps play a brand of football that's not really their style, because they they do play, I mean, maybe not to the extent of Claremont, but they do like to play a free-flowing brand of football. They do like to take the ball down the middle. They do like to play hard and fast when the opportunity presents itself. So if they get a bit too caught up in trying to slow down Claremont's tempo, but in turn limit their capabilities and their potential to move the football forward could end up shooting themselves in the foot. So that's going to be a big coaching move. It's like, how much do we try to inhibit the run of the Claremont players, but, you know, not tighten up the game to the extent where our boys can't move the football? Yeah, and all about that kind of play is just picking out the gaps. And, you know, if you pick out, it depends if Claremont want to go for a zone play or man-on-man, vice versa for West Perth. How do you, you know, if you run a man-on-man and you, they, if Claremont constantly has the ball you're tiring out your team. Then you go to the zone, but if your zone isn't strong enough and it just gets picked apart too easy and that's where the run and carry comes in. So both sides, either way, I mean, this is just going to be such an exciting game of footy. Yes, welcome back to this special edition of the Monday Waffle, the grand final preview, the big game on Saturday at Leaderville Oval between West Perth and the Claremont Tigers. And Claremont, they have made a massive leap this year. They have had a, one hell of a final series, belting Peel Thunder in the semifinals, and now a comprehensive win over East Fremantle in the prelim. And a lot of that growth that we've seen this year has been due to the rise of their younger players and the step that they've taken in their careers. And one of those young blokes joins us right now, an up-and-coming midfielder for the Tigers, who did pretty well in the Sandover 2 last night. Ben Edwards, thank you for joining us. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, fantastic uh, night last night for you, mate, finishing top 10 in the Sandover, 15 votes, tying with uh, Bailey Rogers for the, the most at Claremont. You must have been uh, happy with how that night panned out. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was definitely a good fun night. I have been to a Sandover before, so yeah, it was good to see what goes on. But yeah, I suppose started um, all right. Um, the first sort of 10 rounds and then faded late. Um, but yeah, that was just um, exciting to pull a few votes and yeah, it was a good night in the end. Well, mate, for your first appearance at the Sandover, you, what, you <laughs> finished this um, year almost averaging 26 disposals, fresh out the gates, mate. Um, you guys had a great win on the weekend. I didn't really see that coming. I thought it might have been a bit more of a closer match, but... With the win the week before with Peel of Thunder, you guys must be heading in with a bit of confidence into this week. 
Yeah, um, the last two weeks have been, um, yeah, we've played some good footy, um, sort of the brand that we want to be playing. So, yeah, we're yeah definitely confident going in, but understand that, yeah, West Perth are obviously extremely good side as well, and they've had a very good year. So it's going to be um, definitely a tough game, and, yeah, we've got a lot of respect for, for them. But, yeah, hopefully we can play the brand that we have been the last couple of weeks and, um, yeah, see see how we go. Were you guys surprised with how dominant you were against East Frio? I mean, they're a tough competition. They were second on the table for a reason as well. Did you see yourselves coming out that hot? Um, yeah, well, we know if we play sort of the way that we want to play, that we can be extremely competitive with any team in the comp. And yeah, we, like you said, did that before against um, a real good side in Peel. So, yeah, we knew if we brought that sort of same intensity and focused on the things that we need to focus on, then we'd have a real good chance. Um, and obviously, yeah, Sharks are a real good side as well. So we knew what we were up against. But, yeah, definitely happy to come away um, with that result in the end. It'd been pretty uh, rough going there, Ben, the last couple of meetings against East Fremantle, both 40-point losses in the space of the last four weeks. Um, was that something that, as a group, you sort of put to the side during the week and said, you know what, that's in the past, we're focusing on this weekend? Or did you address those uh, last two encounters you had with the Sharks? Oh, well, definitely all, um, all in the back of our minds, for sure. But we nah, try to move on pretty quickly. Um, yeah, made a few positional changes. But, yeah, we didn't worry about that too much, just focused on sort of what we need to do to play our best footy as a team. And, yeah, that was the sole focus, really, the week leading into last weekend's game. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that you made some position uh, changes there, mate, and uh, noticed in that first half, Jai Bolton played a bit of footy across half-back. Was that something that was discussed during the week or was that was that a game-day decision? Um, he's played a bit there early in the year. Um, he's played, yeah, a couple of games there. But, yeah, no, he's a great user of the ball. Um, so, yeah, it's handy having him down there. Good decision maker. But, yeah, I'm not too sure exactly when the coaches decide to make the call on that. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely, um, yeah, someone that can sort of launch our attacks and defence and get us going forward. So, yeah, he's, he's been real handy for us down there. Now, Ben, what's it like learning from blokes like Jai Bolton and last year's standover medalist Bailey Rogers early, so early on in your career? Yeah, no, it's definitely um, very helpful playing or training and playing with those kind of players. Yeah, you learn a lot of them at training, um, sort of stoppage work and sort of their running patterns and, yeah, how they go about and, and their preparation and, yeah, how um, how hard they train. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely um, been a real big help for myself personally, being able to train alongside those guys who are yeah, real experienced players and been playing the game for a fair bit longer than me and obviously very good players. So, yeah, um, yeah very fortunate to be playing um, with those guys. Your old man, Scotty, and your grandfather, Dale, both won flags for Claremont back in their playing days. Is that something that's crossed your mind at all this week, mate, the potential to join your dad and your granddad as Premiership Tigers? Um, yeah, well, a few people have brought that up, but I didn't um, think too much of it until <laughs> yeah, until I heard it. But yeah, no, it would be definitely really special to yeah join them with a premiership. It's so hard to win one. A lot of good teams, you know, each year obviously fighting for it. And especially this year, it's been such a close um, season to 
So, yeah, just to get the opportunity to play in the grand final, yeah, is really special in itself. And hopefully, yeah, we can give it a red-hot crack on the weekend. Well, heading into the weekend, you guys have handed West Perth two of their four losses for the season. Is that something you're heading into Saturday's clash? Are you going to change any of those game plans that you've done early on in the season? Um, not too sure. We'll see um, how everything goes throughout the week. But, yeah, we we do match up all right against them. But, yeah, we definitely understand that you know they're an extremely good side and obviously anything can happen on the day, on grand final day. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, going to be a massive challenge um, to get over the top of them. But, yeah, we come in with a lot of confidence regardless of who we're playing and know that, yeah, if we can play our brand, then we'll definitely have a good chance. But, yeah, obviously got a lot of respect for them. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to be on our game. Does it sit in the back of your mind that West Perth have probably had the perfect run into this grand final, had a week off, played one quite convincingly against uh, East Frio, then another week off heading into this grand final? Um. I haven't thought about that too much. I mean, it can be good, it can be bad, having weeks off. Um, I suppose it can be pretty positive at the end of the year if you, you know, if your boys are sore and needing to recover, need a bit longer to get right. So yeah, it can go both ways. But I think when it comes down to <clears throat> down to game day, it doesn't matter too much. Um, I feel in you know the past weeks, it's just whoever's in the right headspace and whatever team wants it the most and executes their game plan the best will will win. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it, it matters a, a little bit, I suppose, in terms of preparation leading into grand finals. But I think, yeah, whoever turns up on the day will, will yeah, get the job done. You must be, uh, on, on a personal note there, mate, you must be wrapped with how these last three seasons have gone at Claremont. You've really seemed to have cemented a spot in the Tigers 22, uh, playing that senior football, particularly after having some injury dramas in your late teenage years, perhaps not getting to play as much Colts football as you would have liked? Yeah, I had a few um, injury setbacks sort of when I was yeah, in Colts, 18 and 19. Um, so I missed a uh, fair bit of footy there. But yeah, haven't had any injuries stopping me at all, really. For the last, or Yeah, touch wood. <laughs> since, <laughs> since that, since I was 19. So yeah, I've had sort of four years of, you know, playing every season, really, in all the games, pretty much. So, yeah, I haven't, um, yeah, luckily that hasn't worried me at all. So, yeah, I've been really lucky, lucky on that front. And, yeah, to, I think it's third year, maybe, or fourth year playing um, league footy. So, yeah, definitely starting to feel more comfortable at the level and getting more used to playing at the pace and, you know, playing against better players. Um, so, yeah, definitely starting to, yeah, feel more comfortable. Well, you played in a grand final back in 2020 with quite a young squad. Do you feel as if that experience is going to help you with some of the nerves and how to deal with them on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think it um, will help a bit, for sure. Yeah, well, pretty young side then and still are. Um, but yeah, having played in the grand final before, um, yeah, you sort of know know how to prepare a little bit better and know what to expect, that it's, you know, a completely different game and a lot faster and more intense and, you know, the season and even the the final series. So, um, yeah, to, for a lot of the younger boys who have experienced playing in one, I think it'll, yeah, definitely help us. Yeah, and just lastly there, mate, um, that grand final back in 20 was at a, uh, a local ground like this year at uh, Fremantle Oval. Now you're uh, playing a grand final in Leaderville. Uh, it's expected to be a packed house there. How did you find the atmosphere back in 2020 
you know, at a suburban ground, chock-a-block, 10,000 people. Seems to be, um, you know, the case again this year. Is that something you're looking forward to? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like the crowd was, was real good um, two years ago when they had it at um, South Freo. Um, and, yeah, personally, I think it's a good idea, just a lot better atmosphere, having everyone packed in right close to the oval. Just, yeah, brings a lot more. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it'll be similar this weekend. Um, someone was saying there's 14,000 tickets sold or whatever already, so I think it might be or they're probably going to get more people in this year, which um, which would be good. But, yeah, no, I definitely think having it at a suburban oval is um, a good call in terms of, um, yeah, the atmosphere for the players and for everyone involved. All the cards are placed perfectly, aren't they? Going to be an absolute belter on Saturday afternoon at Leaderville Oval. Uh, ben, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us, mate, and also well done on your own form this year. You've had an outstanding season. And best of luck for Saturday afternoon. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Ben Edwards there, the young Claremont midfielder, joining us to discuss the upcoming match between West Perth and the Claremont Tigers. Watching Claremont on the weekend, I, I going into this match, I thought, you know, West Perth, whoever wins this game between East and Claremont, West Perth are going to be tough to beat. But, geez, mate, I, I think Claremont have swayed me on this one, but... So you're tipping Claremont, mate, for the grandy. Take home the flag. Look, mate, I think they're red hot. Like, I, I think they have just absolutely hit their straps at the perfect time of the year. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a more dominant half of football from any team this year as to what we saw from Claremont at the beginning of that match against East Fremantle. So, look, mate, I, I think they've they've timed their run to perfection. And, look, I mean, we're going to do our, our predictions at the end of the podcast, but I, I just don't know how... Uh, I mean, if they keep this up, mate, I just can't see them losing. Yeah, as we said, could go one or two ways. Do they peak too early and they're just a bit too sore coming into this one? Legs are running off. Obviously, you had to play every game of the final series. I personally think that's a bit too much. I think the experience of West Perth might be the deciding factor this year. And I know we've been at West Perth have lost all the games leading up to this to Claremont, but I just think the two weeks off being able to study Claremont doing their best for the past two weeks, I think might be the Achilles heel for Claremont this year. Who do you view as the one player, Connor, who, you know, from a West Perth perspective, who's the one player who can really tear the game apart? Because obviously Claremont have several. West Perth, they've played a great system all year. But is there one player, whether it be midfield, forward, back, who can really just tear the game open when it's there to be won? I think Tyler Cartel. Yep. I think he might be the one, even Shane Nelson, I reckon very in and under player, loves to get in and under and just get into those packs and really break them apart. Whether, you know, these younger players might be a bit hesitant to go in if they see Shane going and busting a few packs. But I mean, yeah, just so many different boys that he have it. Keegan Knott would be a hard one to to stop if he's he's he going to be, want to bring he? his A game so I know these boys will probably try and find him out the best they can Luke Meadows Aiden Lynch a few of those boys yeah. Yeah, it's going to be too hard to pick one I mean if you would ask me who was going to win the Simpson medal that would just be scratching my head all week <laughs> yeah look I mean can't tell I mean he certainly has the potential to, to tear that game wide open doesn't he against 
against Claremont. I mean, it, it's sort of dependent on, you know, how often they can get the ball inside 50 because we saw through their dominance in the middle against the Sharks, like the East Ferro boys just could not get any go forward whatsoever, which obviously affected the impact of blokes like Jonathan Marsh, who just could not get their game going and just really struggled throughout the day. But we'll get to our, our predictions now. Eh? I, I am tipping Claremont to win. I think Claremont, they're just, I, I haven't seen a team in the waffle be this dominant leading into a grand final is what we've seen. And and it's not like they've been playing oppositions who, you know, who, who have been weakened by injury or were lower on the ladder and no one expected them to really challenge Claremont. I mean, they played a Peel Thunder team who were red hot, came off an upset win over South. A lot of people were picking Peel Thunder to win that game, ha- had an abundance of, of Fremantle AFL listed players on the back of the Dockers lost to Collingwood. And mate, they took them to the cleaners, belted them by 60 points, then you come up against East Fremantle, thumped you the last two times by 40-plus points. No one's giving you much of a chance. And then the game's over by midway through the second term. So I just haven't seen a team have this good a run into a grand final in a long time. And I think they'll carry that form into this game. Look, I think it'll be close. But at the end of the day, I'm going Claremont Tigers by nine points and Jack Lucy for the Simpson medal. Oh, there we go. Well, look, I'm going to follow... Similar suit to your prediction here, Jesse, but we did see East Frio thump Claremont each time they burst, and they end up making through to the grand final. And I have a funny feeling that West Perth are going to win the third time heading into this grand final. So West Perth has got to be my prediction. I reckon Keegan Knott will take Keegan over Knott. the Simpson. I reckon he might kick a bag this week. He will be. I'm sure all the West Perth boys will be trying to get around him, trying to hit him up in that forward line, and he's just so great at creating something out of nothing. Mate, I feel like this will be the recurring theme across every pub in uh, Perth on Saturday, mate. You're going to have, it's going to be 50-50 down the middle, isn't it? I mean, you're going to have half the room saying West Perth, half the room saying Claremont. It it is going to be that close, mate. Cannot wait. It's going to be an absolute belter. But thank you so much for tuning in to this grand final edition of the Monday Waffle. It is going to be an absolute ripper at Leaderville Oval, 3 p.m. Saturday, 1st of October. Do not miss it. Over 14,000 tickets already sold at the ground. It's going to be that old school sort of feel, similar to what we saw throughout the 80s and 90s. Fingers crossed, it's an absolute cracking game. Connor, always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Fingers crossed, it is an absolute ripper. I mean, look, after the AFL, we got nowhere to go but up, don't we? So (laughs) on the back of that game. So hopefully the Waffle Boys can put in a good grand final for us. And thank you for tuning in. And a big thank you also to our guests, Mark Reddings and Ben Edwards. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week to wrap up the big game and all the fallout from the grand final. Until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Monday Waffle proudly brought to you by the students from ECU Broadcasting. 